how do you know that the ideas you have in your art truly came from you? And that you're not just repeating slight variations of things you've seen before. We're kind of a culture of mediocrity right now. I mean, it's very rare to come across something that looks new and interesting and exciting. That's Austin Kleon. He wrote the best-selling book, Steal Like an Artist. And the way he sees it, there's two types of creative impulses that govern what you make. There's the content creators who are like, This thing's already here. I like this. Maybe I'll do this too. That's imitation. Or the true artists who are inspired by, Something should be here that's not here. Or someone should put these two things together. Maybe I can do the thing that's missing. Once you can get to that spot, that's when you find your work. So congregation, at some point, you're going to have to ask yourself, What are you going to do with your time on this planet? Mimic other people and get a million hits? Or are you going to go after the big rewards? Which is becoming a real human being. <laughs> <laughs> you should figure this stuff out early so that the story I'm about to tell you doesn't happen to you. This episode briefly discusses suicide and suicidal ideation. Viewer discretion is advised. Today we are reading from The Book of Purpose. You are listening to Make Art Not Content, brought to you by The Mystery School. The Mystery School? What's that? The Mystery School is an online program that helps creatives all over the world conquer the biggest obstacle they face, themselves. Enroll today at makeartnotcontent.com. So remember the dude I met on the street who was carrying a painting and he tried to sell it to me for $800? $800? Well, he invited me to his art show. And standing outside of that show, I noticed a cool-looking girl with purple hair. I'm Colombian. Colombian, really? Um, and I just moved to the city. Nice to meet you. And of course, she was an artist, too. Her name was Paola. This is my art. Paola showed me her work. This was my latest painting. It was really colorful, and it had all these creepy cartoon rabbits in it. So I asked her, all these rabbits in your art? What does the bunny mean? This is a long story. Do you have time for it? <laughs> and just like the Radiohead video for the song Just, she leaned in and whispered the answer in my ear. The next morning I woke up to a DM from Paola. Turns out we weren't really strangers after all. She had discovered the Make Art Not Content podcast back in Colombia. Her best friend had recommended it. And the crazy thing was... You had never listened to a podcast never. before that? Never. I thought your voice was really, very soothing. So I was like, okay, I compete with this. At first, she used the podcast as inspiration. There's so much information here, and you're going to laugh. I took notes. There were times where I had like this little paper next to me, and I would stop painting, and I was like, oh, I need to write this because I, this is going to help me. But then it became a companion during one of the darkest times in her life. This is where, like, the story starts to get a little bit darker. Oh, shit. Okay. Before I say anything, I want to ask you not to judge me until the end. So, I'll just start from the beginning. Paula discovered she was an artist at the same time many other people did during the pandemic. I went to the supermarket and I saw they had like some canvases and really, really cheap paints. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna paint some paintings for my house because it's empty, it's really empty. But unlike most, she was actually good. And then a friend of mine, who happened to work at a big art gallery in Bogota, by the way. We came to my house, we were chilling, and then he was like, wow, who made those paintings? I was like, I did. And he was like, really? Uh, yeah. And he was like, can I take a picture? And I was like, 
Go ahead. And after like four days, he called me. He was like, I showed my boss and he's in love with you. And he wants to expose you in the biggest art week in Bogota. And he wants you to do 12 paintings. And I was like, really? <laughs> and yeah, he was like, yeah, he wants to meet you. So met the guy. He was like, oh, darling, you're going to be a star. You're so good. And you're so beautiful. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. Her career exploded in Colombia instantly. I started to have like these viral videos in TikTok showing my work and people noticed because I think artists sometimes they have trouble managing their careers and I was like a rocket. But you know how it is, right? Instant fame brings with it instant haters. It was on my way to do a mural and my phone rang and I saw like these artists that I really liked had tagged me in a post and I was like, oh wow. And I opened it and she was like, this bitch copied me. Look at this. Imagine an artist that you respect accusing you of theft. So I wrote to her right away, like, this is my phone number, this is my email. Like, if you want to talk about it, like, please do. I want to make this right. But this artist, realizing that she had a golden opportunity to increase her internet fame by brewing up some juicy internet drama, wasn't interested in reconciliation. She has like a lot of followers mm -hmm. on social media and she spent the next five days just shaming me on the internet. I think I received more than 400 messages like pure hate. People telling me like I'm gonna throw acid at you if I see you in the street. She was like I want all my fans to go to her page and tell her how horrible she is. I want this bitch to never draw again. She made it seem like all my work was copied. Because she started the drama, she she controls the narrative, right? And things got so big, it went viral. I was trending on Twitter, that viral. And this huge conversation started about what's copying and what's not. People were like, okay, you both share the same style, but there's some things, they're not copied, they're just under the same style. And everyone in the Colombian art community had their hot take on Paula's authenticity. Oh yeah, she's a fake. Oh yeah, she was always like a posh little girl. She only got things because she was pretty, not because she deserved them. Everybody's got so involved that I, at a point I was like, this is not even my problem anymore. Everybody's taking a piece of it. Every artist or like illustrator did like a drawing about me and they got a lot of likes. Right. And I was like, you're all just capitalizing my pain. And as fast as she rose to fame, she came crashing back down. Me just looking at my life falling apart and I couldn't do anything. And, and what was worse is that it was all very public. So everybody saw me broken. I got so thin because I, I stopped eating for five days. Like uh, I remember this bone that my clavicle just popped out. I was so pale. I couldn't sleep. I would just stare. At nothingness, at nothingness for like a while and at that point I like even stopped showering I, I stopped always wore like the same clothes really baggy clothes. really big clothes I had panic attacks I never had that I thought everybody was watching I got really paranoid and then I, I, I sat down and I was like I don't think I could do this anymore and I was just waiting for the bus and I remember thinking like well this is it and I threw myself in front of the bus. And this guy, he pulled me. And he was like, what are you doing? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I was just like, blank. I can't even remember the guy's face. 
I just remember his voice and people were like screaming and the bus driver stopped and he was like oh my god why would you do that when I came home that night I was like eesh so that happened that was Paula's wake-up call something had to change because I don't have the guts to try to kill myself again so now I have to make it work so she created a system for bringing herself back to life. Every morning I would wake up and I would do a list, like, okay, get up, go to the kitchen, cook yourself, clean the dishes, walk to the bathroom. And it was like, because I was so broken. Every time I tried to speak, I felt a hand around my neck, like it was choking me. Until finally, she got enough energy to contemplate painting again. At that point, I wasn't even painting. I stopped painting for six months. And at a point, I was like, if I don't start painting again, I will never paint again. And I cannot imagine anything worse. Not even everything I've been through would compare to never paint again. But first, she had to address the question that had been haunting her all this time. I think I'm a fraud. How do I fix that? I need to understand if I paint what I paint because I cannot paint anything else. How do you know if your ideas are authentic? This is the exact conversation I was having with Carmen, a girl I met on the street last night. When you think of something creatively, it might not be creativity because the thought stems from a bunch of subconscious teachings you have or limitations you have, ideas you already have on the world, preconceived notions, biases, etc. Like, if you're gonna draw a straight line, why are you drawing a straight line? Are you drawing a straight line because you're told that all the lines need to be straight? Or are you drawing a straight line because out of the glowingness of your mind, you came up with a Line. Which happened to be the same question Paolo was struggling with. I felt like that. How much of me is real? What part of me is genuine? Why am I different? Carmen, I feel you, girl. A method of questioning pioneered by a priest. Bernard Lonergan. B-E-R-N-A-R-D-L-O-N-E-R-G-A-N. And he believed that if an artist wants to make great art, they have to question their motivations. Do you make art in the style that you do because that's all that you can do? Or are you expressing the authentic voice within yourself? It's kind of a fun rabbit hole to go down, but it can be really upsetting. So you took out everything that could have been an influence yeah. out of your life? I tried to, yeah. I want to create from blank. And she went on a quest to find her essence. So I went to the store. I bought this really big canvas. <laughs> she started painting landscapes, people, still art, all the types of things that she never usually paints. And soon she realized that her execution of these styles was very good, like extremely good. So now I know I paint what I paint because that is what I found beautiful, not because I cannot paint anything else. And for me, that was a very important first step. It's like you're doing this consciously. Consciously. Don't just make content. What are your motivations? Go back to your origins. And I was like, you know what? I think I need to go further. I started like ripping apart every single thing that composed my art. So I was like, the bunny, why do I draw the bunny? Yeah, 
Why do you draw all those bunnies? So, when I was four months old, my father, he was kidnapped and killed by a group of outlaws in Colombia. And all that was left of him, of what he was, was a couple of photos and a bunny teddy bear. I only know my father from some stories and I have some pictures of him and this bunny. Paula had been drawing bunnies her whole life, but she never made the connection to why until one day I was getting ready to go to bed and putting my PJs on and I saw the rabbit on my bed and it clicked and I was like wow my father is manifesting his existence through my art this little bunny is like a totem I started to create my own universe filled with rabbits it was like I want him everywhere even if I didn't knew him I want him everywhere and I guess if you could like say it at a point like my father is the rabbit